Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, welcome back to another episode of Bet on Chicago. My name is Joey Christopoulos. It is a White Sox season preview with over-unders presented to you by BetOnline.ag. And BetOnline, they remain the number one source for all of your college betting this season. Final Four coming up this weekend. And also your MLB futures opening day tomorrow, today, when you're listening to this pod. They got great analysis for every play, prop, and point at BetOnline. They got the latest odds, bracket contests, team matchups, and game trends. So what are you waiting for? Head to BetOnline.ag right now. Sign up. Receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That is only when you use promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive that bonus. BetOnline, where the game starts. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for coming into the pod. Opening day is upon us. 162. The road has been paved and it is right in front of us. Let's do a White Sox season preview with some over-under predictions with what better than the Good Guys Talk Back podcast. So let's bring him in here right now, the first guest here. He's also the host of Locked On Sox. And gentlemen, you might know him as a Hey Sox fans. It's Mr. Nick Morowski. What's up, Nick? Joey, good to be with you, man. Uh, you know, I was just thinking... Uh, this is the first time in a couple of years where the season has actually started on time. Stadiums are going to be full capacity. Uh, it feels it feels like we're back to normal finally. Well, back to normal, hopefully, with uh, baseball on the field and not storylines off the field with this White Sox team this year. Let's hope. Let's bring in our other guest. He is the better half, the other half of Good Guys Talk Back. It's Mr. Pat Hester. Year two, my friend. Year two. Great to have you back. How are you? Joey, thanks for having us back on. I appreciate it. And, and Nick and I are here to, to bring some, I think, excitement into the Sox season. A lot of people, I believe, are, are, are down and pessimistic. And Nick and I, Nick is the the ultimate optimist. So uh, we're here to cheer you up and get you scared up for it's it's basically Christmas Eve. So let's rock and roll, brother. Quick follow up to that was last year in terms of sports, a bit of an abusive relationship between the White Sox team, the manager and the White Sox fans. Uh, for, for me, I mean, uh, Nick, I know we had to labor through that year and Paul let him speak to that, but it was a hate watch most, most nights. I mean, honestly, it was the, the game's on, I'm watching it, but you're scratching your head. You're confused. Most nights you just don't understand what you're watching or, or what's happening. And yeah, I'm glad to have put that season to rest. So let's open it up right now. Nick, here's the most important question heading out of spring training into opening day now this is something that's going to be running on twitter in a couple of months so we're going to have to come to an agreement right now what are we calling it Griffal ball griffle ball where are we going where are we landing right now let's plant a flag because in a couple of months hopefully we're going to be using it i like Griffal ball uh that that's that's got a good ring to it um and, and he is going to be a difference maker he absolutely uh, will be. I was not sold on him when he was uh, hired as the manager, uh, but reading everything I have over this off season and his just his plan and and what he wants to get the team back to, and all the communication stuff and and you know the the surrounding staff that he he put in place, guys that he has a lot of familiarity with, and then you saw what happened in spring training and the amount of players that went off and said, Hey, this was the best spring training I've been around. I love what this guy does. You know, Pedro Grafol, no nonsense communicator. Uh, he's got us, you know, uh, he's got us on the right path essentially. So can he do it though in the regular season so far? So good in my eyes. 
Pat, uh, I'm not saying you're putting it on right now, but are you starting to pick out your clothes a little bit for the invitation to the Grafal ball? Uh, are you buying into? Because I'm with you, Nick. There was a little bit of a who who the hell is this guy? And and as Sox fans, it has been kind of fun to learn a little bit more about him and his background, his career, his journey, and then see some of the quotes and things from coming out of spring training. Uh, are you buying in, Pat? I'm buying into what I've heard so far. I mean, uh, Ozzie Gian came on, I think it was on uh, NBC Sports, their preview of the season. And, and Gian's big, bold prediction was that he was going to win manager of the year. Now, that will remain to be seen. But, you know, that's Ozzie Gian and, and sometimes Ozzie being Ozzie. Grafal will make mistakes. He will do things that don't work on his favor. They will, there will be questions along the way. But I think there will be a, an opportunity for him to at least face the music a little bit, and it won't be as so standoffish as in, I, I know better than you because I'm the manager and you're not type of situation. So, And I think the communication will be high amongst him and his staff. So it's a us uh, decision together, and the team will either sink or swim with it, and I think he'll learn from that and not be so rigid and say, I'm going to continue to hammer this. Uh, I'm going to walk somebody with two strikes situation home to prove I'm right type of thing. So I'm excited to see. He won't be above criticism by any means, but I think it'll be a better situation. But you're making a great point where it is going to be a fun little bookmark maybe in the minutia of a season of when we are going to have to ask him questions about maybe a decision that he made with the bullpen, pulling a starter a little too early. How does he handle it? And then – I think consequently, how does the team play in the coming days after situations like that occur where I felt like we can talk all we want about, and look, we'll do Tony La Russa, just say his name right now, and then we're going to move on. But with Tony La Russa last year, you know, we, he had those explanations that we, we kind of poured over and dissected and tried to, you know, have a conversation about, but then the team didn't really respond in a positive way afterwards. And that, I think that was the biggest detractor to that team last year was that they didn't really respond and obviously health played a big part of it um so let's dive in right now we're going to do some over-unders here brought to you by betonline.ag thank you very much let's start first here with the al central odds to win the division right now the guardians right now it's all plus money so there is no favorite there is no minus money that you have to put on right now so the guardians are plus 130 twins plus 180 Chicago White Sox plus 250 and Chicago White Sox plus 120 to just make the playoffs. So, Pat, I want to open it up to you just really quick. I want to hear from you also, Nick. You know, plus 250, they, those odds aren't really that high. I mean, I think Vegas feels like that they're a competitor in this division just as much as those other two teams just based on those odds. Well, there's parity uh, throughout the top three between Minnesota, Cleveland, and the White Sox. Now, let's take ourselves back a year from this moment that we're talking right now, basically the same team. You know, there has been an addition with Benintendi and a removal, Jose Abreu outside of that. You're going to have the, the same, you know, core of guys on this team. And this was a team that last year was predicted to win 90-plus games and run away with this division. I don't think the Twins or Cleveland have done that much that would put them head and shoulders above the White Sox. It's really about the mentality and the way this team goes about playing. And if that changes this year, this should, in my opinion, and again, I'm maybe a cockeyed optimist here. I'm thinking that the Sox win this division easily. And I'm thinking by four, five, six, six games. That's my opinion, because I just, I feel like that the core of this team still has the talent in there. It just has to be brought out of them and the intensity is brought out of them every day and nothing will be given to them. And that's what I think the, the mindset of this this team is going to be this year. 
And with Tristan McKenzie going on the DL, or excuse me, the IL for the next couple of months with the Guardians, that's already um, something that's going to be in their way as an obstacle as they move forward through the season. Nick, uh, the White Sox at plus 250 for the division. I don't think that's a number that I'm going to say uh, run to the booth, uh, run to the window and put some money down on it. But I think it does reflect that Vegas, as maybe other prognosticators in the national media, Vegas seems to think that the White Sox can't compete for sure. I think if you read uh, and, and you, you know, I have enough articles uh, about predictions and, you know, how things are going to line up, you know, there's always those, those few lines uh, in that article of, well, the Sox are probably the most talented team if they can stay healthy, you know, the Sox top to bottom, you know, should be able to win this division, but I don't know if they can stay healthy. You know, it, it's, I feel like a lot of folks are going with Cleveland they're the defending champs. They bring in Josh Bell, you know, Hey, they've got pitching Terry Francona, I, I think is an outstanding manager. And if you ask twins fans, they'll say, well, we loaded up on depth. We've got a bunch of depth and the time is now, but I'm telling you, if, if you look at the white Sox lineup top to bottom, and you know, if these guys hit and if they stay healthy, and then you couple it with our pitching staff, especially our top three, it's a no brainer. It absolutely is. Now I'm not going to give you a total win prediction right now, but you know what you're seeing, the 83s, the 84s from fan graphs, maybe even a little bit lower. If the Sox win 82 games, or maybe they run it back at 81 games, that's because there were a substantial amount of injuries. It's not because there was a lack of production or they weren't prepared. It's because we hit, got hit with another major injury bug. And you're looking at a division where the Guardians only won 90 games to win the division last year. I know 90 is a great number, but even if you pull that back to 88, 87, and you're still in that 82, 83 range, you're in it, right? And, and, and look, Joey Gallo, over under 2.5 times, he's going to piss us off this year. I think probably over, right, on the Twins, right? There's going to come that moment, but I think there's going to be a lot of moments where we're going to be throwing something down and in on him. He's going to be whiffing, and we're going to be getting out of innings too as well. I think we're going to be cheering that as well. So let's dive right into it, you guys. And, uh, you know, Pat, you kind of teased it just a little bit. I want to start with our $75 million man, Andrew Benintendi, our new left fielder, the big acquisition offensively for the Chicago White Sox in the offseason. Uh, BetOnline.ag has his home run total at 11.5, over under minus 115 both ways. RBI 62.5 under minus 130 over plus 100. So Nick, lead it off first over on home runs, over on RBIs. And what do you project for Andrew Benintendi this year? Well, I think, you know, guaranteed rate field uh, is just supposed to be a home run ballpark. Okay. We didn't see it from the White Sox last year, but it's in the top uh, of ballparks where, you know, you should be able to hit a home run out of i think vaughn had 17 is the team high last year which again was just ridiculous if, <laughs> you know if andrew uh andrew benatendi has got the wrist right the hand right which it sounds like everything was business as usual this spring training pedro grafol saying you know what i don't have to worry about benatendi all right he's the least of my problems which leads me to believe that he's all good he's back i mean he has said look some of the balls i hit at kaufman stadium last year they're ringing off the wall at guaranteed rate or they're going over, you know, just mm -hmm. because of how, you know, deep, you know, Coffin stadium is. So 11 and a half, I've got Ben attendee over by 11 and a half. I could see him hitting 17 or 18 home runs, uh, RBIs. Uh, why not? You know, the home runs are going to go up. The RBIs go up. I could see him around 75. 
Uh, what a, you know, I had him circled as a guy that I thought the Sox were going to go after because of his connection with Grafol and, and the Cincinnati uh, or the Kansas City Royals uh, connection. I think he was on Grafol's wish list. So we had a proven left fielder playing left field, uh, a left-handed power. Uh, I, I expect good things from Ben Attendee. Run it back even further. He's got connections to Rick Hahn, right? Where Chris Sale was going down the trade. Uh, he wanted Ben Intendi at the time, and he ended up, you know, ended up with Mankata and he ended up with Kopeck. A couple of players we'll be talking about later in this pod. Uh, Pat, 11.5 home runs. I mean, man, Gordon Beckham used to run into 15, right? Like, I mean, come on, man. How are you feeling on these uh, over-unders here? Uh, I'll take the over on the home runs for sure. I think 11 and a half is doable. He seems to me more like a high team type of guy. And I feel like, again, with a lot of stuff Nick's mentioned with the, you know, the ballpark, you know, the, the dimensions of our field and that ball, the way it should fly in the summertime uh, and the health of the wrist, I think he should be in about a 15, 16 range, getting back to where I think he was probably with the Red Sox. And then, you know, earlier on in his career, that's feel where I feel like he should be. I think 65 on the, I think it was 65 is what you said on the RBIs, right? Uh, six, 62.5. 62.5. I'll also go under that number only because I don't know where he's going to be at in the lineup yet. I feel like Great. he probably. So, so where do you want to see, where do you want to see oh. him, Pat? Just to interject really quick. I know they're talking about him in the two spot, but do you think maybe lengthening that lineup in that six to eight area? Yeah. I mean, down there. It, it's going to be interesting because, you know, we've got more left-handed hitting now or left-handed bats in this lineup with him and Colas, you know, making the team now. Uh, Mancata hopefully healthy and Yaz hopefully healthy. Those are four left-handed bats in your lineup, two of them being switch hitters. I, I don't know if Grafal will want to go, you know, righty, lefty, righty, lefty, kind of make sure you balance the lineup out or if it's going to be more traditional and you put guys in spots regardless of left-handed, right-handed. I, I, that remains to be seen. I'm fine with him being this, in the two-hole, but I, again, that tells me that this, that's got to be somebody that's doing their job. I feel like he can do his job, and I'm not going to be relying on him so much from the RBI uh, situation. And I think it's a fair expectation with that lineup. Nick, I just want to follow up with you really quick. I think we're, we're in lockstep where I, I believe that you need to find the best nine lineup and you need to just keep them, leave them there, let them run out every single day, trying to build some, some chemistry, a little bit of momentum throughout the course of a lineup. Either it's the middle of the order, that back end, how much tinkering are you willing to kind of accept from Grafal early on in terms of this lineup of where these pieces are going to fit in appropriately? Cause I could even see middle of the order changing maybe on a day-to-day -day basis for the first two weeks. So what, what is your leash on that before you want to see them kind of lock in? Oh boy. You know, man, Pat and I have talked about this and a couple of weeks, give it, give it to, you know, let it marinate for a couple of weeks, maybe, you know, maybe a month uh, and, you know, just, just wait, you know, he has gone on record recently. Grafol has of saying, look, like, I'm more of a consistent lineup type of guy, you know, that doesn't mean that, you know, there might be changes here and there. Uh, you know, I, I, yeah, I could be stubborn at times, but I'll understand what's happening with some of the numbers in the matchups, but I'd rather have more of a consistency where guys know where they're going to be at when they come into the ballpark every day. And I think, I think the players appreciate that. You know, I think they get into a groove. Uh, we've heard about that before, even last year when, 
you know, there was a bit of a pattern, four or five games. You heard some guys kind of chirping up saying like, it's nice to know like where I'm going to be at, who's going to be around me in the batting order. Um, so I hope he sticks by that. That's something that I'm going to be watching closely is just how consistent the lineups or inconsistent the lineups are. But, um, you know, if he's way off on something and he's like, look, we need to do a switch or a player comes to him and they have a conversation, but I, the way Grafola has operated, I think that's already happened. You know, it's been very player directed manager facilitated. They, those conversations have already been had of where, who's comfortable, where, where Ben attendee wants to hit. I mean, he's been, he's been slotted in the three spot uh, lately in spring training with Robert in the two spot. So, you know, we'll see, I like him up there and let Vaughn kind of be the power in the bottom half of the order. And I think he made a really smart move by excising the temptation of hitting Larry Garcia third. Uh, but I digress. Uh, let's, you, you brought up another guy. Uh, let's get feisty. Uh, I love this number, Pat. Uh, Andrew Vaughn, home runs, 20.5 over under both, minus 115, 72.5 RBIs over under both minus 115 what say you on andrew vaughn well if andrew vaughn is is below 20 home runs that means his back has been a problem all year so <laughs> he's going over uh, baby. i i would have to think and again all the everything we're talking about you know guys is is dependent on these these guys health and we don't really have great history anywhere up and down this lineup with guys being healthy so um but andrew vaughn the guy that we brought up, the guy that we coveted and can't wait to see perform at a level, and it has been talked about as an untouchable in trades, you know, as rumored anyway. Whether that's true or not is, you know, we don't know. But I would have to believe it's going to be over 20 home runs, you know, 20 and a half. I think you said it, 20 in the hook is what you said. So I would think, you know, this isn't my bold prediction for later, but I'm going to say that he's going to have closer to 30 home runs. And, uh, and, and again, I, again, him going to be in a spot in the, on the diamond and a spot in the lineup that's going to be consistent, I think will only benefit him. And I, I'm going to love to see how he works with this new staff in terms of hitting coach, uh, and, and the RBIs with those home runs should inflate those RBIs as well. I, I think he's going to turn into our new RBI machine type guy. That's going to be able to not just hit for power, but put the ball in play and get runs in when needed. Really excited to watch him. Uh, can't wait. Uh, I think, uh, Nick, you do such a great job of posting his picture um, and then <laughs> moving it in closer and closer. Uh, follow him at Nick uh, GGTB. Um, but, you know, it's he's unassuming, right? It's hard to get all pumped up and get a lot of buzz going about Andrew Vaughn because the man just goes about his business. And I am right there with you, Pat. I think those numbers are definitely achievable. So, Nick, I'm going to throw it back at you. Forget the 20.5. Forget the 72.5. I want to juice it on you and see if you're on board with us. I'm going to say over under 26.5 home runs, over under 80.5 RBIs. You know, I, I go under, on, unfortunately, on both of those numbers, but not by a lot. I think he's more of a 25 home run guy right now. Okay. Um, I, I've called this the year of, of Andrew Vaughn. Not that I think he's going to be the team MVP, but like this is going to be his breakout. You know, he's finally back to his, his natural position. The looming question of will Jose Abreu continue to be at the first base uh, spot? It's over. Like, this is your position. No more wondering if I'm going to be in the outfield. Will I be at first base? Will I be at DH? 
uh, again, hopefully that back doesn't, doesn't start barking at him. Uh, but I loved what I saw in the last game. I think of the spring training, he hit a home run along with Romy Gonzalez, uh, got right back into the lineup and did some damage. Um, I, I like the thunder in the bottom too. And I think he's going to sleep on a lot of pitchers. I think pitchers are going to have to be concerned with hopefully a healthy Mancata, Robert Jimenez, T.A. Andrews at the bottom of the lineup. Colas, who none of these pitchers really know, what am I getting myself into with Oscar Colas? I think Vaughn kind of sleeps there a little bit for a while and just just feasts. You know, when pitchers are trying to be too careful, he's going to hit mistakes. He's going to mash. I expect big things for him. Happy for him. Uh, But the weight of the world in terms of Sox fandom is on his shoulders, you know, replacing you're not going to replace Jose Abreu, but just taking over the, for that, that first base position that Abreu did for Paul Canerco, that Paul Canerco did for Frank Thomas. And, you know, the shame would be if Vaughn started off terribly slow, terribly cold, then you're really going to hear it from the fans. Like, what did we do? How did we give up? Well, here's the issue. You weren't going to give Jose Abreu three years, 60 million. So enjoy uh, Andrew Vaughn. Cause I think he's going to have a great year. In terms of expectations, production-wise, uh, Andrew Vaughn pretty much matched what Jose Abreu did last year. So I think what you're talking about, and I agree, is is a shadow of what yeah. Jose Abreu has meant to this franchise over the last handful of years, especially in some of the darker times, uh, the darker seasons that we've had to endure. Um, and that's going to be something that he's going to have to overcome. But what I'm so interested about is that when he was coming out of college, what a lot of people talked about was his control of the strike zone. And I think these first couple of years, I think that he was just, like you said, I think he was just hunting for mistakes and just trying to pound early in the count. And I'm just really curious to see, and maybe this is a lineup wrinkle of what Andrew Vaughn looks like as a hitter this year. Does the OP, OBP go up just a little bit, right? Does the control, does he lure people in? That's what I loved about Paul Canerco too as well. He would kind of lure people in a little bit as the game would go along by that second or third at bat. He sees that hanger. He pounds that hanger. Is Andrew Vaughn going to start playing those type of games? And I think that will go a long way of whether, you know, where he fits into the lineup and how he's going to help us out the best. Uh, Moving forward, let's go over to, let's go over to a big one, guys. Uh, We're going to go into the health, uh, the health tent here. Um, So try and just um, calibrate the possibility that these guys are going to, are going to make it through uh, because we need them. Damn it. Uh, Aloy Jimenez, um, pretty robust number. 27.5 27.5 home runs at a minus 130 over his plus 100. 89.5 RBIs minus 130 plus 100 on the over to lead the American League in home runs is 33 to 1. Anyone? 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 Any takers? Any takers, gentlemen? Uh, Pat, hop in on Aloy Jimenez. Well, he'll lead this team in home runs. And if he leads this team in home runs, I just said that Andrew Vaughn is morally. I'm expecting 30 home runs out of Andrew Vaughn, and I might be crazy. And I believe that Eloy is going to lead this team in home runs. So that would say that he's going to be plus 30 home runs, right? If I'm doing yeah. my math right on myself, which I'm not very good at. So I'll go over that. I mean, Eloy Jimenez, let's, in the, what was the stat? I can't remember. Maybe you guys can help me out. In his first, I don't know how many games he has, he has you know, the most home runs in Sox history and in the, oh, the, wow. the, the, the games that he's played. I don't remember how long that, yeah, I'm forgetting the exact stat, but. You know, he's a home run machine, and he's got the natural power that's just amazing. Again, the health, the health, the health. Uh, inside the blue tent, we'll just examine. Don't run too hard. Don't celebrate. Just hit home runs and go back on the bench. 
that's all I'm asking out of him. But this, to me, this is a throwback type of guy. This is a guy that you look at that's like 35 home runs I'm expecting out of a guy like this. So I'll go well over that. Now, RBIs, again, RBIs in this day and age aren't like they used to. We're not seeing the Frank Thomas and the Manny Ramirez, you know, 145, 160 RBI home run yeah. or RBI totals anymore. It just doesn't happen like that. So I'll go, I think he'll be around that number, but just for the sake of argument, I'll say probably – He'll be in the 80s. I don't know if he'll get to 89 and a half, but um, maybe I'm copping out. I'll just go over. What the hell? Uh, I'm being optimistic. I'll go over it. I'll say slightly, though, at like 90. Okay? I don't think it's like a 100 RBI season for Aloy. I think the 89.5 is definitely a Vegas number. Um, Nick, uh, I asked you guys also to bring one bold prediction for your uh, for the offense, one bold prediction for the pre- pitching staff. I'm going to kick it off with my first bold prediction, my first hot take, and I want you to weigh in, is I think – this is the year Aloy Jimenez goes to the All-Star game. I think this is the year Aloy Jimenez participates in the Home Run Derby. And I think this is the year where I think nationally, I think the recognition um, starts to be known that Aloy Jimenez is a really entertaining, fun baseball player. And I do think that he is going to be healthy enough, hopefully the entire season, but certainly in the first half, to put up the type of numbers where he's going to be representing the team uh, come July. Nick, where are you on Aloy Jimenez this season? Uh, I'm bullish on Aloy Jimenez. Uh, I think he had around 80 RBIs uh, in 2019. He played 122 games that year, uh, and and that was a high mark for him. I think he had some around 30 home runs. That was another high mark. We haven't seen over 122 games. Obviously, we had the COVID year of 2020. Uh, He won Silver Slugger that year. Uh, I've got uh, Aloy Jimenez is one of my hot takes offensively. I think he's going to hit more home runs than TA and Mankata combined. Mm. I've got, I've wow. got Aloy, I've got Aloy Jimenez at 42 home runs. Um, 33 yeah. to one, Nick, just yeah. saying. <laughs> I don't think he's going to let, oh, that's the thing. We're in a league with uh, Aaron judge. Uh, I, I don't think he's going to, but he's going to have a beast of a year. If he, if he plays a designated hitter and is relegated to that for a majority, he will be out there. I'm, I know he'll play outfield a little bit, uh, and we want him to be happy, but a happy, healthy Aloy is great for the White Sox. And, and that is designated hitter. So I could see him going to the all-star game, but Joey, I'm telling you, if the Sox have a three game lead at the all-star break, I don't want to see him in the home run derby. Okay. I want, I don't want, <laughs> I, know, I don't I know. want him to, you know, stretch a muscle or something can happen. Just keep, just do your thing, tip your cap as a reserve, maybe, and be there and enjoy it. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm bullish on, on Aloy Jimenez. Uh, I really am. Pat, what the fuck is general soreness? I have that every day. <laughs> yeah, Days after the, uh, the home run derby. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus, Mary and Joseph. Well, here's the thing. And here's the thing, Pat, is that I'm going to bring up this number now. And uh, we're getting to Lu- Luis Robert in a second. The number for me is 261. 261 is the number of games that Aloy Jimenez, Luis Robert, and Tim Anderson combined missed last year. 261 games. And you look at it, right? They're, they were 21, they were 27 and 16 in one-run games, which was actually pretty solid, right? But they were 37 and 44 at home. They were under 500 versus plus 500 teams. Under 500 versus the AL Central. You can't tell me 261 with those three guys. You can't compete like that. Like, Pat... If they just give us 120, right? Mm-hmm. Talk about, I mean, 
that's worth what four or five wins Adagra fall factor. I mean, that just puts more coins in the bucket for this team competing and maybe getting to the high 80 total win, win wise. Well, yeah, you said it right there. And, you know, for all the flack and, and rightfully so sometimes that Rick Hahn has gotten recently for the lack of moves and maybe some of the moves he has made, you know, putting this team together and assembling it, the, the team that we were so excited to see finally come together, the, the, the core guys have very rarely played in the lineup or played in games together. Yeah, I think the number was last year, nine games or something crazy like that, where oh you had God. your core guys playing at the same time. I mean, it was ridiculous. So um, you, you'd have to think, you just have to think that if you have your best players on the field, the majority of the time, it would equate to wins. We've harped on how bad this team was and they still managed to be 500. We talk about this team. If, if you weren't watching and you just had your ears open and hearing about the complaints, you would have thought this team lost or was 20 games under. And to know that there was all that trial and tribulation and injury and, and, and consternation about the manager, you would have thought, how could this be? How could they even win 81 games? So I think there is something to be said about that. So you're right. I, I, that's why I'm optimistic because I'd have to believe that. And, and one guy you, you mentioned that I think is the most important, Nick and I've talked about it a ton, is Tim Anderson. Tim Anderson is the one that makes this team go. And I th I'm hoping he's in a little bit better of a mindset this year with the change of manager. I hope that energy returns to this ball club and he's the spark for this team that drives them and gets them going on a day, day out basis when guys maybe don't want to go so hard. So that's, that's my thought on that. Yeah. And you look at those three guys missing time and what was the hallmark of the White Sox teams that we fell in love with in 2020 and 2021? They would beat up on left-handed pitching. Mm -hmm. Last year, we were 17 and 20 versus left-handers. And you can say, oh, is that an outlier? Well, just look directly to Anderson, Robert, and Aloy. Destroy mm -hmm. left-handed pitching. They weren't on the field. It kind of all pairs together. Nick, yeah. uh, let's let's do Tim Anderson, man. Uh, plus 1,200 to win the batting title, 12 to 1 kind of okay odds i don't know i would like it maybe a little bit higher but um i'm actually going to go off the board this isn't a betonline.ag number but let's just do it uh over under 305 batting average for tim anderson this year over um i don't know if he's going to win the batting title i wouldn't take him winning the batting title uh it sounds like he is back to having fun uh it seems like there was some stuff going on in his life last year we didn't know exactly what was going on you know, not baseball not, related. Yeah. Not baseball and, related. And it sounds like he just, you could just tell uh, he's in a better space. Uh, loved what I saw from the world baseball classic uh, folks spoke very highly of just his energy in the clubhouse, you know, and, and he got switched to second base, not because he's a second baseman folks. It's because they wanted him in the lineup. You know, they wanted his bat. They wanted his energy. Um, you know, he, he, he put himself on a national spotlight and we need him at the top of the order. Pat and I've talked about a lot, like who can you not afford, you know, and I just don't think you can afford losing Tim Anderson. You saw what happened yeah. at the, uh, second half of the season last year, Sox were kind of making a run there a little bit and, and Anderson got hit in the finger, had surgery and he was done for, you know, he didn't come back. And, and I think the whole team felt it. The clubhouse felt it. He's the guy. You know, you got to have, you got to have that guy who just, you know, everybody kind of surrounds and goes with, and, and with Abreu gone, I, I think, you know, Anderson comes in, I think believe now is the longest tenured Chicago White Sox player. You know, I think you could bring him in as in a, in a captain role, 
Uh, And this could be another conversation we talk about at some point or at another episode. Will he get paid eventually by Jerry Reinsdorf in the front office uh, to be a lifetime Chicago White Sox player? But first and foremost, this year, keeping him healthy uh, over on 305, uh, getting things going in the top of the order. Uh, I think he's going to be aggressive on the base paths and everything I've read about him over the last week and getting ready for the season. I am having fun. You know, I've got the energy back. That, that's the vibe. Quick follow-up on that, and let's keep it fundamental because we don't know exactly what Tim Anderson would want, but we all know the history of the Chicago White Sox and the contracts that they've dealt out. Is Tim Anderson a $100 million player? He has to be. I mean, Cleveland just gave their second player uh, in their on their club a, a $100 million contract. How does, Menez, Cleveland yeah. Have, yeah, how does Cleveland have two of those, and we do not yet in our history? Sox traditionally don't pay for pitching. So I have to lean, I'm, I'm going to say they're not going to pay for a Dylan Cease or whatever season Giolito has or doesn't have, but I think it's got to be Anderson, you, you know, make, make a statement, make him the face of your franchise moving forward. He said he wants to stay in a uniform. Maybe he's just saying that, uh, but he, I think he likes it here. I think, I think, I think, I think there's something to be said with LaRusa being gone, you know, and that's just me, you know, speculating, I think he likes the vibe now here uh, with this ball club and uh, he's starting to, you know, put some roots here in Chicago. And I, if you're not going to do it with Tim Anderson, I don't know who you're waiting for, you know, mm-hmm. to give them, uh, give him a, a contract of, of access of that. The number exactly, I don't know, but obviously it's going to be over 100 million. Um, I'm in agreement. I think he's an at least a hundred million dollar player. You can stretch the years out. You can do whatever you want. Make it 10 for 100 million. Doesn't matter. I think he definitely deserves that number. So I'm going to throw this at you, Pat. Uh, this is a combo combo platter uh, more likely to happen. Tim Anderson to win a batting title or Luis Robert to drive in more than 80 runs, which is now plus 100 on the over at betonline.ag. Uh, I'll take Oh boy, that's a tough one. I guess I would the batting title is difficult because even in it's not like he's winning it every year. Now he's always right around there, right? But does does of, does, Lu, does Luis Roberts scare you the most health wise? When we keep talking about these guys uh, health wise, I don't stuff, know. Aloy can pop a thing, you know, picking up his dog, but Luis Roberts staying yeah. healthy is just it's constant. Uh, yeah, Robert to me is. Uh, I, I just, I, I don't know. It's too much of an unknown. So yeah. I'll go with Tim Anderson and, and the batting title. I think that's more of a sure thing. And Robert, you know, he's got all the talent in the world and I would love to actually see it on a consistent basis. So uh, maybe, I, maybe I'm a fool uh, for, for not going that way. I just, I just haven't seen enough of him yet. I haven't seen enough and I haven't seen, and correct me if I'm wrong, Nick is, Nick is probably tuned into every, every pitch of spring training. I don't know that he's looked all that great in spring training or in the World Baseball Classic, you know, for that matter. It's not like he was blowing the world away. So um, I'm still not convinced that he's right. So I hope he gets there, but I just yeah. don't know if, if he is yet. Nick, hop in on that. Yeah, I don't think he left the yard very often, um, but he, he had his fair share of doubles. Uh, again, he's kind of been the quiet guy, you know, uh, I think Mancada had the the better world baseball classic for team Cuba than Luis Robert. Uh, Luis Robert uh, looked pretty ugly at times, but he, he rallied uh, as did Cuba uh, 
I wasn't overall, I wasn't really impressed with what I was seeing from, from Robert, but here's the thing going back to what you guys are just saying, he left camp healthy, you know, and, and, and that's like the biggest, the bar is low. <laughs> the the lowest Robert. bar of all time. <laughs> you know, it's just, it, it's just, I, I, I talk, people always are like, how are these guys getting hurt? How are they, how are they pulling muscles? All these soft tissue injuries, this, that, and the other Robert is like, you know, a 10 tool player or something, you know, and it's like one of those, cars that you've got every single gadget imaginable on the dashboard and it's like well it's cool to have all these toys and all these things but it's more things that can break down and and i feel like that's sometimes the case with Luis robert like he's got muscle on top of muscle he's got more muscle to pull you know i think that was yeah. the old adage uh, years ago like some of these players <laughs> they didn't have a lot of muscle to pull you know so they just they stayed relatively healthy like he just is such a specimen that uh, you get worried just by running down to first base or trying to leg out uh, possibly a double. Um, he can do it defensively. He can do it offensively. If you're going to have a White Sox player that's going to win the AL MVP, I would put my money on uh, Luis Robert. First of all, in terms of the muscles, leave Robin Ventura alone. He he played the game. <laughs> <laughs> he is a, a perfect <laughs> plastic toy silhouette. He had no def definition to him uh, whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, and, and honestly, the most disappointing thing is you see Luis Roberts' speed metrics and on defense and the lack, lack of stolen base attempts. They've gone down over the last year or so in this dynamic player. Um, is he the same guy as he was in 2020? I, I can't even be sure, and he's still a really young dude. So, I mean, I think he's the biggest question mark of them all. And honestly, I'm, I'm not really like looking to him of like, Oh man, if we don't have him in the lineup, we're screwed. I mean, we better prepare to maybe not have Luis Robert in the lineup for stretches. That's kind of where I'm sitting at until proven. Otherwise let's move over to the pitching staff guys. Uh, let's go to our boy, the mustachioed man himself, Mr. Dylan sees. We've got a lot of numbers for him this year. Uh, Pat, you're going to go first. Tell me which one that you like the most. Uh, we've got over under 215.5 strikeouts at minus 115. 12.5 wins over under minus 115. Most wins in the American League at 20 to 1 and most strikeouts in the American League at 10 to 1. So Pat, you tell me which one uh, which one perked your ears the most? Probably the 215 strikeouts. I mean, he's a strikeout machine. So, you know, the swing miss stuff is just unbelievable. Now, I would actually like him not to have as many strikeouts. I would like to have him pitch more to contact. I would like to have him keep his pitch count low. And but but that's just not today's game. Today's game is swing and miss stuff, and today's game is strikeouts, strikeouts, and that's what everybody is in love with. It'll be interesting to see how you know if this pitch clock affects him at all, and you know gets him in a space maybe mm -hmm. he's not as used to because he's always seemed to be a guy that's very methodical out there. Not, not that he takes a long time or anything. It just seems like he's very methodical about the way he goes about his business, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how that. Uh, affects him if at all but um i'll, I'll go with the 215 just because I, I feel like that's where he's going to be at he's going to be a two uh two teen to 220 strikeout type guy in my opinion pitch clock with dylan cease is such a great point and really curious to see how he manages that and also how he manages that of course None of these guys are going to be throwing 100, 110 pitches right out of the gate, right? It's going to be 80 to 90, so it might be a little bit more manageable. But, yeah, with Dylan Cease, I mean, even last year when he was fantastic, 
he would blow a pitch per at bat, right? I mean, he would yank one maybe a little too hard, and, you know, and then he got into a little game where you know he does give up a lot of foul balls, which also drives the pitch count up a little bit. Really curious to see what he can do. Nick, where are you at on this one? My personal opinion, the 12.5 wins seems a little low to me. Yeah, I would uh, I would attack that one. I could see him kind of around where he was last year, which was maybe 14, 13, 14 wins, something like that. So I could see over by a little bit. But honestly, uh, you know, I hate to say it, I could see a bit of a regression um, from Dylan Cease. Uh, you know, he, he's got that bullseye on his back, and everybody, he, the league is on notice, right? Like everybody, he's not going to sneak up on anybody. Now, he has ridiculous stuff. You know, and good pitching will beat good hitting. Uh, but I, I just, you know, I think hitters are going to have a plan. They're going to go after him kind of early. They don't want to get to a two strike count against Dylan C's. Uh, he can get nasty if his stuff is right. He can get absolutely nasty with that slider. Uh, so I think you're going to see them attack early. But to Pat's point, that, that might be a good thing. I don't know if I want to mm. see him striking out that many guys because that that is a lot of that is a lot of pitches on your arm. I'd like to see him go a little bit deeper, especially with a questionable bullpen right now that the Chicago White Sox have at least through May. Uh, so I would say wins on that one. Hey, Dylan sees is still the ace. He's going to have a good year, uh, but to follow up what you did, if not do better and win the Cy Young, it's difficult to do. It really is. I mean, I, I don't think we've had a lot of repeat Cy Young winners and I know he didn't win, but like still in that area of top three back-to-back -back years uh, it, it's, it's a challenge because every team wants to beat the ACE. Every team mm -hmm. is going to go after uh, Dylan sees and, and the book is out on him. So it, it's how he can control his emotions, work the pitch clock. You know, I, I'll be, re I'm really, really interested in this opening day matchup against Houston. And when you have an ace, and Dylan Cease at this point is a true ace in Major League Baseball, you know, as a White Sox fan, you start kind of penciling in those wins a little bit, right? And yeah. those starts also are just as important for us that we pick up a victory that day every time that he's on the mound. We've got a couple more topics here, including win prediction totals here with Good Guys Talk Back hosts Nick Murawski and Pet Hester. Let's see here. Um, Oh my God, I can't believe this is an actual. Okay, this is an actual number at betonline.ag. Um, over under 0.5 times Pedro Gafal falls asleep in the dugout. Um, Nick. Um, I mean, unless something was. Easy something, under money. <laughs> yeah, that's, that is easy money. Unless we don't know if there was an allergic reaction to something in the clubhouse, if there was a medical, you know. If they gassed happened, him. He got gassed. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he had to take a Benadryl or something. There were seasonal allergies. He took a drowsy instead of a noun drowsy. That's how you're going to lose that money. Uh, so something like that could come into play. But I think you're going to see Pedro Grafol just uh, wide-eyed, alert. He is going to be ready to pounce. This he is on a mission. He's got to prove himself. You know, this yeah. is his first big league gig and. Uh, he's also Han's guy. So if Grafol uh, does well, Han, Han does well. Uh, cause, <laughs> and, and, but if the other way around, nothing will happen to Han, but m maybe something happens to Grafol. I don't know down the line, but, uh, I, I, you know, again, there's going to be no sleeping in that, in that dugout. Pound the under, um, you know, Pat, you, you might not be a hall of fame baseball person, but you're a fantastic father. Is there ever like an important moment that you can remember where you, just, just the time of day, just it almost just drag you, drag you into a coma of sleep. 
Oh, well, most days, you know, I told, you know, Nick is at the beginning of his fatherhood. He's, he's a young, you know, not a young man by any means, but a young father. 11, 11 uh, months. Yeah. My oldest will be 12 uh, in about a month from now. And I say that I haven't slept in about 12 years. So um, that's that I am always in a state uh, of narcolepsy. I could just go at any moment. Hmm. We better keep this rolling here right now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're way past my bedtime. <laughs> I can tell. Yeah, that was a threat, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, no, we're moving on. Uh, so here's here's a good one. Uh, and Pat, we're going to open it up to you. Uh, I'm going to give you an either or uh, on this one. This is the rest of the pitching staff, basically. So uh, over under, Lance Lynn, 170.5 strikeouts. Giolito, uh, 185.5 strikeouts, or Mike Clevenger over 9.5 wins. Uh, I think I'll go with the Lance Lynn uh, strikeout number. I, 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 I really, like him. I like him I, this year. I think that's a, I think that's a safer bet. It's a more, listen, the, the knee will always be something I think about with, with someone like a frame that looks like me, you know, and when him and I share the same Jersey size, that's always a problem. Um, <laughs> and, and I do like the way that Giolito is kind of read, inventing himself again but you know like listen uh, i've got to see it on a consistent basis again out of him and clevenger that, that'll be the biggest wild card i, I don't know what the heck we're going to get out, out of mike clevenger so i'll go with the the more sure bet here and and a guy that's been you know tops in inside young voting uh, several times in his career and and is a guy i think that will come out of the gate this year well obviously he started out last year on the il uh, this year, you know, coming in seemingly 100% healthy, and I think we'll that that is a better chance to hit just because he's starting from a a really good place of being ramped up and ready to go. I'll, because he was in the World Baseball Classic and pitching in high leverage situations to start the season, so I'm excited to see what we get out of Lance Lynn this year. I'm super excited to see what we get out of Lance Lynn for sure. His over under for wins is 10.5, and look, maybe the days of you know, hey, bullpen, take the day off. They might be a little bit behind him, but I do really think I think he's a crucial piece to the starting rotation because every single time he takes the ball, what, five, six innings of really competitive, competitive pitching out there. And there's going to be days where he shuts people down, and there's going to be days where he's going to, you know, kind of dig in a little bit and give you those couple extra innings that maybe, you know, a couple of other guys won't be able to throughout the course of the season. I do have a bone to pick, though, Nick. I mean, I, I want to get your take on it with Lucas Giolito. All right. Like you put on weight, you lost weight, you're changing your grip. The Every, I'm sorry, but every off season, it's something else with this guy. And I understand that he's trying to get paid. Um, but we just keep playing this game over again. Well, he changed this. So now this will be better. Um, where are you for your expectations with Lucas Giolito? I just don't think we can expect the guy that burst onto the scene for that 14 start stretch, whatever that was several seasons ago. He's a middle of the rotation guy. And, and that's it for me. Where are you with him? Yeah, I, um, you know, there's an interesting article I was reading a couple of days ago on, on, you know, I think it was CBS news that, uh, you know, columnist predicted that actually the Sox are going to trade Lucas Giolito mid-season to the Philadelphia Phillies because that's how low that they thought the White Sox were going to be performing and the need that the Phillies have for pitching. And, of course, this is a walk year for Giolito. Uh, I don't think he's going to return to that all-star 
um, you know, that all-star year. I, I do believe that he's going to have a more successful year. ERA hovering around four. Uh, I do think the pitch clock is going to be something he's going to have to navigate to. He's such a cerebral pitcher. And, you know, if something goes wrong, which tends to be a home run that he gives up or two in the first two innings, and he's letting that sit in his head, you know, bad things can happen. Uh, Hopefully he's kind of, you know, worked himself out of that. Uh, Putting on the weight, I don't know who told him how to do that or why to do that. Uh, Again, that was the lockout, I guess, period where he wasn't able to talk to a lot of the White Sox folks and, I, I can't only imagine he put on, he put on weight during the lockout. Huh? I was just like, okay, welcome back. I uh, see so you've got a new look. Um, so I, he's been able to talk to Ethan Katz, you know, through this whole off season and, 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 you know, he's gone back to some of his old mechanics. He seems like he looks like he's agile back to his old ways. Uh, but look, uh, you know, long story short, I don't think he's wearing a white sacks uniform next season. You know, so it's like enjoy him this year. I think he's going to he's going to be an average. He's going to be serviceable, but I don't expect him to be like in the Cy Young conversation or anything like that. Yeah, I just don't I just don't think he deserves to be in that type of a rare air anymore of talking about him like that. And I think a lot of these numbers on betonline.ag kind of reflect a pitcher who I don't think that he really is anymore but if we are talking about trading him mid-season to the Phillies who are trying to win a World Series Pat he looks great I think he's awesome I think he's attuned <laughs> to his body and he's willing to change and I think that's the the best part possibly about him Pat uh give us an x-factor man who is the x-factor of the starting rotation if this guy turns this way positive you know it could really do wonders for this team that we're not quite seeing it well I think it's Michael Kopech I mean let, let's face it he's going to be your fourth or fifth starter uh, throughout the year. It's been a kind of an up and down spring for him. It wasn't mm-hmm. such a great outing the other day versus the Cubs. I, I would like to think that, you know, he can be that guy. He's got that guy type of stuff. He's got ACE type stuff in him. Um, but like we've talked with a lot of guys, it's like, okay, what kind of help are we going to get? Is at some point that knee going to be a bothersome for him? Is it, you know, what, what point does the arm kind of go to a dead period like a lot does for a lot of guys? So, you know, Michael Kopech is, is the type of guy that is going to wow you a lot of times, but is, it, is he kind of like a firecracker where you, you love going it up, watch it go up and explode, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to come back down to earth, right? So um, he's the X factor for me because, you know, I think Nick mentioned it earlier where it's like you're, you're pretty comfortable with the top three guys. Uh, but after that, it's kind of like, oh, it's question mark. So if you can get your fourth or fifth starter, uh, depending on where he ends up being slotted 100 percent, you know, as the season goes on, uh, th- that can make a difference in a lot of games. Because how many times over the past couple of years where it's like, well, today's a bullpen day. I- I'm tired of bullpen days. You know, we need a consistent starting staff from one to five. And if he can, he doesn't have to be a superstar in the fourth or fifth spot. He just has to be a consistent guy that you can rely upon. Yeah, that's a great point just in regards to, I mean, we, we play a lot into what Michael Kopech's trajectory of his career is supposed to look like. Mm-hmm. Um, I keep trying to talk myself into the crown jewel of the Chris Sale trade, um, who, you know, I'm sorry, by the way, we're still looking for our Chris Sale. I mean, Dylan Cease is a great pitcher, but we're still looking for that type of guy. And if he can just be, like you said, Pat, that fourth that fourth guy on the rotation who's maybe you helping you close out a series, you know, going six innings and maybe giving up those three or four runs, but we're scoring runs. Mm-hmm. 
and you know keep the walks down and he's another pitch count guy too as well and a pitch clock guy especially when he gets into the stretch uh that i'm interested to see and i there's a maturation i think needs to happen that could be a linchpin for that starting rotation nick do you have an x factor are you on board with kopech as possibly being uh you know that pivot point for um our starting rotation yeah, I, I, you know, he's a fifth starter right now, I think because he just needed another extra day, you know, and I think it's probably advantageous to have him starting the home opener opposed to Mike Clevenger. Uh, I could see Kopech, you know, going into the fourth slot. I could see Kopech moving up to a third slot, you know, if they have an opportunity to rearrange the rotation after the all-star break. I am really high on Michael Kopech. I could see him uh, plus 170 innings. Uh, that's mm, the, I, this wow. is the year. It's time. Let's do it. Uh, the, yes. The time he's, is now for he, Kopech. He's he's the it's time guy for you. Is Michael yeah, Kopech. He, he absolutely is. And he said some great things. And we talk about a guy that's gone through a lot of like maturation, just mentally, just as a human. And he also realizes, look, I'm not rolling out of the bed throwing 100 miles an hour anymore. Okay, I would like to be a pitcher, not a thrower. I want to learn my craft, you know, and and that that takes a lot to like come to that realization of like, I'm just not going to blow people by. Uh, I, I've got to learn to pitch a little bit here. And I think he's learning from one of the best right now in Dylan Cease and obviously the veteranship in, in Lance Lynn and, and a guy like Giolito that's had to reinvent a lot of things, too. So. I think his body's right. I think his knee's okay. Uh, it's definitely not an arm issue. It was a knee issue, but uh, he he's my guy this year. He absolutely is. And he can then change the, completely change the pitching staff, you know, where there's not as much pressure on some of the other guys. Uh, so yeah, I, I expect big things, maybe 30 to 32 starts. Uh, it should be, it, it could be a really fun year for Michael Kopech. Yeah. And real quick, Pat, uh, do you have a, it's time guy. Who is it's time enough of this. It's time oh. to see what we've all come to expect. There's a lot to I choose mean, from. That's... We we've kind of, uh, we kind of haven't mentioned Yoan Mankata really kind of once <laughs> on this pod, another crown jewel of the Chris sale trade. Is there an it's time guy for you that stands out the most? Well, you just mentioned it. It's Yoan Mankata. And my I bold mean... prediction from an offensive standpoint was that Yoan Mankata is going to lead this team in home runs from the left side, even with the additions of, you know, Colas and Benatendi being part of this club. I don't know, again, what kind of home run totals those guys will have. A healthy Osmani Grandal, I would like to think, is going to hit somewhere around 20 home runs. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Mancata this year, I that my bold prediction is he will have 20-plus home runs, and he will lead this team from the left-handed side of the plate with 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 those uh, with those 20-plus home runs. I, again, I've been I've said it last two years and Nick on um, good guys talk back with Nick. I've said that Yohan Mankata is going to be this team's MVP. The team MVP is going to be Yohan Mankata. He's got the most talent, in my opinion. He's the best defender that we have and person at the plate. And he just hasn't proven it from a plate perspective. He's delivered on the defensive side, in my opinion. He's proven to be a fantastic third baseman. Uh, but I need to see more. I need to see. And I wouldn't even mind if he just concentrated uh, and, and, and just hit lefty. I think that's mm. his natural power position. I, I really don't think it benefits him to hit from the right side that much and, and you know, switch him back and forth. You just it, want to get Jake know, Berger in there, baby. Get some Jake Berger yeah, in there against yeah, those lefties, yes, baby. I'm into yes, that. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and, and I want him to, you know, concentrate on the inboarding and forget about the exporting, as uh, the great George Costanza <laughs> said. So, yeah, just uh, – from the left-handed side of the plate, Yohan Makata, my offensive, you know, bold prediction. 
Nick, uh, mine's Logos the All Star Game. What's your offensive bold prediction? Well, you know, I was talking about how I think Aloy Jimenez uh, is going to probably he could be the team MVP. You know, if you got. I could put Moncada at 21 home runs. I could put Anderson at 20. I could make an argument mm. for those guys. I think Aloy's going to have more than both of them combined. I see him in the 40s. I see him at 42 or so. I see him over 100 RBIs. Uh, and again, staying on the field for, I'll say, 150 games. How's that? You know, yes. and Damn, I mean, baby. exactly. I almost fell exactly. out of my seat. <laughs> I, I know. Those types of things are what I think should bring Sox fans to this season. And I know we've all been burned several times over and over and over and uh, enough with the hope. And I want to see production, but when you look at this lineup and you're going to see it, you know, Thursday night on ESPN, you know, against Houston, when you look at that and you're like, we just, we have, we don't know what the ceiling is with a majority of these guys. And if this, if this is the year, which we kind of were pitched by Rick Hahn, health, a return to accustomed levels, sky's the limit for this team it really is i mean i know that's you know me being a homer in a way but still look at what we have uh, on this team it really excites me to see if we can get the most out of that and look we've seen great players in white Sox history hit over 40 home runs we've got the frank thomases of the world we've seen paul canerco do it we've seen jim Tomey do it but there's something about that carlos quinton season when he popped 40 bombs and 100 RBIs, but it, just the way it changed our expectations, our entertainment level, what it did to that lineup just that year specifically. And we haven't seen a 40 home run season from a White Sox player in a while. And if it is Aloy Jimenez, and he does bring that to the table for this offense, you know, it could, could, it could turn into a really entertaining season on 35th. So it is time. It is time for our win prediction totals here. Opening day is upon us. We're hopping in. So betonline.ag right now has the Chicago White Sox at 82.5 wins, minus 120 on the over, minus 110 on the under. So they're actually making you put up a little bit more if you're going to go to the over, but it is minus money. Pat, you're going to go first, my friend. I think we all know where we're going, but I want to know the specific number. How many games are the White Sox going to win in the 2023 season? Well, I said it on our show the other day, so I can't go any different now. It's 91 wins. And okay. again, I think that's, I, I think that's a very doable number, right? It's a, it's a 10 win. It's a 20 game swing, but it's a 10 game uh, improvement in terms of wins from last year. So uh, again, we talked about it before we talked about the guys that had missed the, you had mentioned 261 games missed by basically three guys, right? We're, we're hoping to cut that. If you cut it in half, right? I think that yeah. equals, and, and to me, the change in manager is is a two game swing right there, because mm -hmm. we could probably all point out at least two games that Tony Larusa lost for this team last year. Um, so that that's where my hope lies. It relies it lies a lot in the health, but it it lies in a lot in change of mentality from the top down and getting these guys to play a, a certain way to match the intensity of especially the Guardians. Nick eighty two point five over under for the Chicago White Sox, and what is that number? Yeah, it's absolutely over. Like I said, if it's hovering around 82, 83, it's because Mankata was out, Anderson out, and uh, Robert was out. And maybe we lose, you know, Lynn or somebody like that for an extended period of time. We have massive amounts of injuries. 
Um, I think some of these numbers that you're seeing, these projections are because of that. I think, you know, we just haven't been able to show what we can do as a team. And this definitely could be the year uh, to do it. So my number is 90 and that's, that's nine wins uh, over the, of course, 81 from last year. Look, you got a six month uh, schedule. You got 25 to 27 games per month nine games over six months, you can do nine games. And I think Pedro <laughs> Grafol alone can get that team uh, playing a better brand of baseball, bringing the chemistry, bringing the culture that matters, that stuff matters. Uh, and then obviously uh, getting the, to the potential with some of these other guys. So uh, 90 and 72, and uh, you know, that, that takes them, you know, at the top of the AL central. And the fun part about this season, they play every baseball team. Yep. Every baseball team's on the schedule. Cool wrinkle. Into it. Pitch clock. Into it. Getting rid of the shift. Into it. Uh, I think it's going to be a fun and entertaining season. Gentlemen, uh, I'll be honest. I'm going 86. Mm. Going 86 wins, and I think a part of it has to probably do with my internal constitution right now with the Chicago White Sox team because they didn't do a massive makeover in the offseason. This is pretty much the same group that's coming back, and I'm hoping to bank on some health, maybe give us a little bit of a better shot. But man, I just feel I feel the trauma from last year, man, the frustrating nature of how we won a couple of games and then slid right back the way that we kind of blew some games, you know, late in games, you know, the, the defense, all that stuff that kind of goes into it. And I just kind of feel like I was I was like had a roommate and he was just, you know, he was a fucking slob. He was a fucking slob. And I moved home for the summer with my parents and I moved back with him in the fall and the apartment's clean. And I'm like, maybe this is maybe this is different. You know, maybe maybe the, he's he's turned a new leaf. I think 86 puts me in a good place that makes me feel like if they jump over that a little bit, um, I'm going to be happy. I'm going to be happy to be wrong. But if you guys remember, I said 96 last year. So, <laughs> well, I Joey, said 96 uh, wins. Look, Joey, uh, the past is a place to learn from, not live in. Um, so I understand. I understand you've been you've been hurt. And there's a lot of Sox fans that have been hurt. And I think that's the thing. You know, it's just it's trying to to shake away from all the stuff that we kind of exposed ourselves to uh, yeah. over these last couple of seasons. So I get that. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm trying I'm trying to be optimistic because if I can't be optimistic. It's going to be a, a really long season doing daily podcasts. It's just, it's going to be really rough. If you start saying to me, it's not your fault. I'm going to break down in tears, uh, <laughs> but gentlemen, it's going to be exciting. Uh, you know, we still have a great talented baseball team on the South side. I think they're going to be competitive. I'm hoping that they beat my 86 and who knows, maybe 86 is just enough to get it done in the AL Central coming forward. We got to get out of here, guys. This was Bet on Chicago, brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Thank you so much for their over-unders. You can get 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use promo code Believe B-L-E-A-V. I was joined by the host of Good Guys Talk Back. Gentlemen, it's such a pleasure. Nick, my man, I've known you for many, many years in many different iterations. And the fact that we're still doing this, getting together, third season now of Talking White Sox baseball here. You're just killing it and crushing it on Locked On Sox every single day, providing content that White Sox fans crave. Uh, dude, you're doing a great job, man. I'm so glad that I still get a chance to see you, laugh with you, and uh, thanks for coming. Absolutely, Joey. You know, I was thinking of you the other day. I was walking downtown Chicago, and there's an Ed DeBevix uh, that popped up. There's a, there's a new, there's a reopened Ed DeBevix. I was thinking about you and, and Kyle Moore, and just, man, we've known each other for a very long time. I'm so glad 
this this has brought us back together and, and a love for sports we've shared for a long time, which was kind of tough to find in our improv uh, theater uh, groups that we hung out with. So always a pleasure, buddy. Thank you so much uh, for the invite. And, uh, you know, I hope, you know, we continue to talk throughout the season. Absolutely. Can't wait to have you guys back. We're fucking jocks. That's what we were, Nick. We were just a bunch <laughs> yeah, of we jocks. Were. A bunch of we square, square jaw jocks. And yeah. the other guest and the, uh, my other guest today, Mr. Patrick Hester. Thank you so much for coming on, man. Two seasons for us now doing this. And uh, let me just tell to the audience out there, uh, the gentleman uh, that I'm talking to right now off the mic, I've appreciated everything that you've uh, that you've helped out with, man. You're such a stand up dude. Uh, you're a good friend. I always root for your success, man. And I can't tell you enough uh, how much I appreciate you being generous with your time on this pod and being generous with your time off the pod, too. Thanks for coming, man. You are the man. And, and nobody reads reads a, a promo or commercial like you. I, I love it. If I could Thanks. do that just like you, I mean, that's, yeah, I, I admire it. What you do on your shows is fantastic. Thanks for having us on. We appreciate it. I'm always open to talk White Sox baseball. Whether I'm asleep or awake, I'm ready to talk. What can I say? When it comes to betonline.ag, it sells itself. Uh, thank you so much for coming on, <laughs> checking out this pod. Be well, be safe. Please be good to each other. Follow me at Joey Sports Guy. Check out Good Guys Talk Back weekly, bi-weekly as the season kicks off. Happy opening day, everybody. Enjoy. We got more pods coming. We got the movie, the 1994 film Speed, coming up next right here on this feed, so make sure you check that out. Until then, remember, when in doubt, always bet on Chicago. Do you believe? Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.